I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. These words were written by the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And the scenario was that he was sitting in a Roman prison cell just days from being martyred by the faith, for the faith. It was at the end of a long um, a few years of serving God, of being a, a preacher of the gospel, of persecution, but also of joy, marked by faithfulness in running the race of following Jesus Christ. Today we're going to be continuing our sermon series from the book of Hebrews entitled, It's All About Jesus. And we began several weeks ago by looking at uh, the premise of the book of Hebrews, which is that Jesus Christ is supreme, he's superior, he is totally sufficient for everything that we need for faith in Jesus, for faith and in life. And to, we've been looking through different chapters. We've, we, we've looked at uh, different topics such as Jesus Christ is our perfect high priest, that he's able to intercede for us, to understand us, that he empathizes with us because he walked the earth as one of us. We also looked at topics as, such as Jesus is, is the word, that he speaks to us through his word and through his spirit. And we've also looked at the topic of Jesus as our perfect sacrifice, that his sacrifice for our sins is once and for all. And because of that, we can have great confidence and assurance of forgiveness and grace. Last week, we looked at chapter 11, which is often known as the Faith Hall of Fame. And in the, in the 11th chapter, there's a whole list of individuals and people who had showed great faith in God and received their reward for it. Well, this week we come to chapter 12, the passage that was uh, just read by Paul a few minutes ago, the first three verses. We'll be looking at the rest of the chapter uh, next week. But he begins chapter 12 with a word that is a hint for us, therefore. Now, whenever in Scripture there's a word therefore, of course it means that we are to look back on what has just been said and then to apply it, something, some truth. We are to believe something because of that. We are to, to do something or we are to avoid something because of what's come before. And in this passage just before, he talks about, about the need for faith and how uh, we, Jesus Christ is to be the object of our faith and we are to persevere in faith even when we don't see what uh, lies ahead and don't understand what's happening. We are to persevere in faith. And then in chapter 12, he says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw every, off everything that entangles in the sin that so easily uh, holds us down, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So this morning we're going to be talking about running and finishing the race of faith. Now, I, I'm not a serious runner, but I, I, I do run off and on for, for exercise and for stress relief and just to kind of get out and so I can eat what I want and not put on weight. Um, and last summer while I was on sabbatical, I, I ran a, a race. Uh, I was out in Colorado, a 10-miler through the Garden of the Gods in just outside of Colorado Springs. And if you've ever been there, it's a beautiful spot, uh, just gorgeous, but it's also very hilly. And, and each mile of the 10 miles, there's a hill, and each hill seemed to get bigger and, and taller. And, of course, then you add on the elevation of 6,500 feet or so, and it, it really uh, took its toll on most of us, uh, 1,100, or actually 1,500 runners. Now, the route of the course itself kind of snaked its way through the park, and every so often you'd see a, a flag or a marker, some sort of red cone or something, to let you know uh, where to turn and let you know as well if you got off course. Uh, I also think maybe perhaps to make sure nobody took any shortcuts. It, it was the race that was marked out for us. 
And during the course of the race, we couldn't say, well, you know, I've, I've, I've already done six or seven hills. I don't want to do the eighth one. I'm going to go around it. And, I, and we couldn't be running along and say, you know, I think I'll, I'll skip that loop. It'll cut off a couple of miles off the race. I'll get to the finish line sooner. If we wanted to finish the race and get the prize, which was a, a long sleeve T-shirt, a medal, and all the pizza, bananas, and orange juice you wanted, if we wanted to finish well, we had to follow the course set out for us. Now, so it is in the Christian life. God has gone before you and me. In Psalm 139, it tells us that he knows our days before they, before they begin and before they end. In his great foreknowledge, we believe, he has gone ahead of you and me, and he's marked out a course for our lives. He has planted these flags and these markers out for us. And the scripture says, run. Run with perseverance the race, the course set out for you. You know, each life, just like each race, is unique. Each course is unique. And the tendency sometimes can be to compare our courses with other people's races. And so, for instance, when my race gets a little tough, I don't like the way that it's going, it's harder than I thought or wanted, I can begin to feel sorry for myself, look at somebody else's life or course and say, if I had his life, his course to run, it wouldn't be a problem. I could handle that. Or we can look at somebody and say, if I had her life, her paycheck, her house, I could run with perseverance, no problem, the race marked out for me. Or if I was married and not alone, or if I had his wife or her husband, I could run the race set out for me. If I had his health, if I didn't have this disability, so on and so forth. It's so easy for us to compare our course, our life with others, and we can begin to rationalize to the point where we say, it's okay for me to quit. I don't, I don't have to run this race. I don't have to run with perseverance because mine is harder than other people's. But God says to us, I want you to run this course. I want you to live this life. Don't think about others. Look at me. Look at Jesus. Fix your eyes on him the author and perfecter of your faith, faith, and together we will run this race. You know, if you run a race, you know to finish, you've got to keep running, right? On October 20th, uh, 1968, at the Mexico City Olympics, it was beginning to darken and the temperature was dropping, and the, the last event of the Olympics, the marathon, was finishing. The last runners were being assisted away to first aid stations, the thousands of spectators in the stadium were beginning to move towards the exits when all of a sudden a siren went off and whistles through a gate entering the stadium went off. Eyes turned towards that gate and a sole figure wearing the colors of Tanzania came limp limping into the stadium. His name was John Stephen Aquari. He was the last man to finish the marathon. His leg was bandaged and bloody and he was limping as he made his way, way around the track. You see, earlier in the race, he had fallen, injured himself, and had taped himself up, and it kept running. When he finally finished the, uh, the, finally finished the race and crossed the finish line, one man from the media dared to ask the question that everybody in the stands was thinking. You're badly injured. What were you thinking? Why didn't you quit? Why didn't you give up? And Aquari said, My country did not send me 7,000 miles to start this race. 
my country sent me to finish. So it is with God. God does not send us into this life and, and start us on a life of faith, a journey, just to start and not to finish, and to finish well. We are to keep on the course, even when we're bloodied and hurting, seemingly running alone, to finish and to finish well. You know, the start of a race is a wonderful feeling, a wonderful time. You're, you're in shape, you've carbo-loaded, uh, you've got your friends around, there's lots of, race, or lots of other runners, uh, you're ready to go, you feel confident. But at some point along that race, if it's long enough and you're running hard enough, it's going to get a much different experience, right? Your blisters begin to form. Your legs begin to fill with lactic acid and feel like, like 100 pounds each. It gets hard. You want to step off the course. You want to stop. You want to take a shortcut. It becomes painful. You know, in life, the same thing can happen. We can be going along in our lives and something happens and it becomes extremely hard. And the pain comes. And we begin to wonder if, if this is worth it, if this is truly God's will for us. Are we called to, to stay on this path, to persevere? Surely God doesn't expect us to keep running. But God calls us not just to be a good starter, but to be a great finisher as well. Several years ago, I read a study of all the leaders in the Bible, and one of the most alarming characteristics in the study was that... Um, most of the, of the leaders in the Bible finished poorly. Not all of them fell into great immorality. Not all of them had some sort of uh, some shameful end. But the study showed that a lot of them did not finish with the same fervor in energy, in effectiveness, in faithfulness, in fruitfulness. And the study concluded with one of the defining factors for great leadership is to finish strongly. That's equally true of our walk with Christ. Will we finish the relationships, the marriage, the parenting? Will we finish the job? Will we finish our ministry? Will we finish our relationship with God with a strong kick, running hard all the way through the finish? One of the greatest examples of this comes from the movie Chariots of Fire. It's probably the, one of the first movies I saw as a kid. The true story of, 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 of Eric Little, who was a a man who ran for Scotland, but he went on to become a missionary. He was also a preacher. And you may recall in the movie, in his life, he refused to run on the Sabbath because he felt it was against his convictions. And so he gave up the, the opportunity to win gold in his best event. There was another scene in that movie, which is also true, and, and it was the year before the, the Olympics. And he was running in a race in, in a meet between England and Ireland and Scotland. He ran the 100, the 220, and the 440. Um, and he won the first two events. But in the 440, he got off to a bad start. He got kind of jostled around in the race for the inside lane. He, and he tangled up with a man named J.J. Gillies from England, and he fell to the ground. He sat there dazed for a minute when one of the officials said, Get up and run. Well, he did, and he was, but he was already 20 yards behind, which is a long way when you're running 440 yards, and also when you're running against other world-class athletes. But he kept running, and with 40 yards to go, he had pulled into third place, then second, and right at the tape, he stuck out his chest and passed the man who had tripped him, J.J. Gillies. He won the race, collapsed in total exhaustion, had to be helped by medical personnel because he had expended so much effort getting to the finish line. An article appeared the next day in the Scotsman newspaper which said that the circumstances in which Little won the race made it a performance bordering on the miraculous. 
Veterans whose memories take them back 35 years and in some cases longer in the history of athletics were unanimous in the opinion that Little's win in the quarter mile was the greatest track performance they had ever seen. You know, there's something glorious and inspiring about getting up off the track when you get knocked down. And you keep running, win or lose, to run hard and run all the way through the finish line. Spiritually, it's the same. Maybe Satan trips us up. Maybe we trip ourselves up by some stupid decision. Maybe somebody else trips us up. But we're called to get up, to run, to forget what lies behind and run for the prize of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus modeled this when he looked Peter right in the eye and said, You're going to deny me three times. But then he added, When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Don't stay down. Get up and pursue Christ. There's another reason that sometimes we don't finish well or persevere in our faith. Sometimes we face Heartbreak Hill. In the Boston Marathon, there's a legendary obstacle called Heartbreak Hill. It's a series of long hills running starting at mile 13 and culminating in mile 19. And mile 19 is the longest, steepest hill in the whole race. And what makes Heartbreak Hill so terrible is that most runners around mile 18 or 19 hit what they call a wall, where your, your glycogen it begins to be turned into lactic, lactic acid and your muscles begin to scream for oxygen and you feel like you're going to die and that you can't go another step. Heartbreak Hill tests the runners to the very core of their determination and their strength. Well, in life, there are many heartbreak hills. Life is not a level grade. It's not all uh, easy run without wind or rain. We have problems, and then we have bigger problems. And at times, we face heartbreak hill. Perhaps a daughter becomes pregnant out of wedlock. Or maybe a loved one dies. Maybe we lose our job and suffer long-term unemployment. Perhaps the pain of a divorce, a broken relationship, a financial catastrophe ensues, an emotional breakdown, a change in our health that we cannot reverse. And there are people here today who are maybe in the middle of a, of a heartbreak hill, facing a severe test to your faith. But it's the heartbreak hills that test our faith, strengthen our faith, faith and help us to trust in the Lord to the very core of our being. You know, I wish someone was able to give us the answers for every heartbreak that we face in our life. But we don't have all the answers. That's why it's called faith. But God calls us to trust, to fix our eyes on Jesus, and to keep running. Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why? Because Jesus is the one who will get us to the finish line. October, August 3rd, at the 1992 Olympics in Barcelona, Spain, a man named Derek Redmond was ready to run the 400 meters. A hundred meters into the race, he crumpled to the track with a torn hamstring. And, and medical personnel came to try to help him, but he waved them off and began to hop and struggle around the track because he desperately wanted to finish the race. Because you see, four years earlier, he had not finished the race. 
in the 1988 Olympics in South Korea, 90 seconds before the heat was to be run, he had some Achilles tendons problems and had to withdraw. And he had surgery after that. Actually, he had five surgeries. But four years later, he had worked so hard and come back, and he was now qualified for the, the Olympics. And again, 100 meters in, he had suffered an injury and was facing potentially not finishing the race. But he began to work and hop and crawl his way around the stadium. A big guy wearing a t-shirt and tennis shoes hopped out of the stands. His father ran to him, put his arm around him, and began to help him hobble around the stadium. Finally, he finished with a crowd cheering. His dad and the son finishing together. Now, if that's the way an earthly father responds to his son who is determined to finish the race, no matter how hard it is, how much more does God, our Heavenly Father, respond to a son or a daughter who's having a hard time in the course that God has set out for them? How much more does God, our Heavenly Father, run to us, put His arm around us, sustain us, and help us finish the race? You see, God does not call us to, to a course that we cannot handle with His help. He will help us to finish. He promises so. In Isaiah 46, 3 and 4, he says, Listen to me, you whom I have upheld since you were conceived and have carried since your birth, even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he, I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. That's God talking. And, he, and as he carries us, when we hit those heartbreak hills, when we're tired and wounded and we're fatigued and worn out or, or just, just, just whatever, God whispers into our ears the words of Scripture. Stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15. And he whispers and leans in. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a reward if we do not give up. Galatians 6. And he leans even closer and says from the Psalms, Wait for me. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. My hope and prayer for you and me, that as we run the race with perseverance that that God has set out for each one of us, that we will persevere to the end, that we will run with fervor, that we will finish well, and that we will be able to say with Paul, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for the example of your Son, Jesus Christ, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of God the Father. We thank you, Lord, that because Jesus Christ has run the race perfectly, that he is perfectly able to help us run our race, that he will come alongside us that if we fix our eyes on him, believing that he will perfect our faith, that he'll get us across the finish line, that we know that we can finish well. Father, I pray for each person here, especially those who, who are facing a severe test. They've run out of energy or steam. They've run into a wall. I pray, Father, that you would come alongside them. And help them, Father, to finish the race well. 
We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.